Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. Story of Ruth this morning in uh, chapter 2. We'd uh, just gotten uh, Ruth and Naomi home to Israel from, uh, from Moab, and uh, they'd arrived, and Ruth had gone out to pick grain and uh, had found herself in the field of Boaz. And Boaz had been kind to her and uh, invited her to eat lunch with his workmen and provided her with water throughout the day and, uh, and spoken to her about his admiration for her and how she'd taken care of Naomi. And so we're picking up in verse 17 of chapter 2. So Ruth gathered barley there all day, and when she beat out the grain that evening, it filled an entire basket. She carried it back into town and showed it to her mother-in-law. Ruth also gave her the roasted grain that was left over from her meal. Where did you gather all this grain today, Naomi asked. Where did you work? May the Lord bless the one who helped you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law, about the man in whose field she had worked. She said, the man I worked with today is named Boaz. May the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He's showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Then Ruth said, what's more, Boaz even told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is completed. Good, Naomi exclaimed. Do as he said, my daughter. Stay with his young women right through the whole harvest. You might be harassed in other fields, but you'll be safe with him. So Ruth worked alongside the women in Boaz's fields and gathered grain with them until the end of the barley harvest. Then she continued working with them through the wheat harvest in early summer. And all the while, she lived with her mother-in-law. So Ruth has just gathered barley all day with Boaz's workers. And uh, she's been in the field all day and a lot of barley, right? It, in uh, Hebrew, it's an ephah. Or uh, half a bushel is how we have it in many of our English translations. In metric, for our, you know, the city people that don't know farm language, 18 liters. 18 liters in one day. That's a lot of leftover grain, right? And, uh, and so you got to love Boaz at this point for providing for Ruth and providing for Naomi through Ruth in such a generous way. So Ruth's excited at all the grain she's gathered. And as she rushes home, she can't wait. She's going as fast as she can run with 18 liters of barley in tow in order to get home and to show Naomi what she got for her day's work. And so she bursts into the house and she shows uh, Naomi all of, the, all of the grain. And Naomi's in, in awe of all that there's there. And then she pulls out her doggy bag from lunch full of the roasted grain from lunch. Remember, she couldn't even eat her whole lunch that Boaz provided for her. So she plops down the extra lunch for Naomi. And she says, there you go. And Naomi looks at it all and she's amazed. She says, uh, so Ruth says to her, I gleaned all day. Look at all this food. And I met this guy. And Naomi is ecstatic. She's totally worked up. And this time, she's worked up in a good way. 
And so she's excited by all the grain and she's amazed at, at, at how much she's gathered. Uh, she says, whose field is this? And Ruth, of course, says, a guy named Boaz. And now Naomi really lights up because she knows Boaz. She knows who he is. She says, may the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives and one of our family redeemers. So again, she's back to pronouncing a blessing. She says, may the Lord bless him, Naomi told her daughter-in-law. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. He is showing his kindness to us as well as to your dead husband. He who? Did you, did you stop to think about it for a second? He who? Is it Boaz? Because at the beginning she says, may the Lord bless him, Boaz. And then she says, he is showing his kindness. And in the, in the Hebrew Kind of like in the English, it's not really clear whether she's saying he, Boaz, is showing his kindness or he, the Lord, who she's asked to bless Boaz, is showing his kindness. And actually, uh, the way she phrases it is he is continuing to show his kindness. Who's she crediting with the kindness? Is it just Boaz or is it the Lord? And it's not really clear, as I say, in the language. And then she goes on to say, that man, well, that's Boaz, is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. And so she blesses Boaz, but, but it's not really clear whether she's making the connection between the Lord's work and Boaz's work. I, uh, I, I heard a story on the news quite a while ago now, uh, about Sick Kids Hospital. And of course, we all know they do good work, right? They take care of kids, and, and that's got to feel good, although it's got to be horrible to watch kids who are sick. And, and uh, this news item was talking about their Miracle Foundation, how they raise funds uh, through this Miracle Foundation so that they can do the good work of looking after children. And so they were fundraising, they were showing clips of people who had been impacted, people with children who had been helped, nurses, doctors, uh, donors, people who are, are, are inspired by the work of the Sick Kids Hospital. And one lady, she started off her interview by saying, actually the, the, the foundation is misnamed because these kids, they can't count on miracles what they need to count on is the dedicated doctors and nurses and the medical professionals and the volunteers at Sick Kids Hospital. They can't count on getting a miracle. They got to count on the scientists and, and the doctors and the people who are working at Sick Kids Hospital. So don't call it a miracle foundation. And of course, the question that's raised for us in that is, well... Really? Don't you think there are some miracles involved sometimes too? And we wonder, is it, is it God or is it people that we count on? If we're sick, do we go see the doctor or do we pray? Or do we pray and then go see the doctor? We go see the doctor and then we pray if it's really serious. Who do we count on? Who do we turn to? Jim Henson, the guy who invented the Muppets, you know, all the, those puppets. 
he, uh, he was a Christian scientist. And what they teach is that you don't go to the doctor. You pray and you trust God. And if you really trust God, you're not going to need a doctor. You're not going to need medical procedures. And that would be a lack of faith to do that. But who do we trust when we get sick? We, we go to the scripture for answers to these questions. And, and we wonder sometimes, do I go to the doctor? Do I, do I go to God? Do I hedge my bets and go, uh, you know, a little God sprinkled in is going to help. But really, uh, who I'm counting on is the doctor. And, and which, which do we really lean into? What is most significant to us? If we could only do one, which would we do? And so we go to the scriptures for our answers about how we live our lives and what we trust in. And, and of course, we expect it to tell us something about God and, and, and how we interact as believers in the world. And we're inspired by the writers of these stories. But why didn't the author of this book make it more clear, right? Like, why, didn't, why wasn't the language there that would, would tell us whether it's Boaz, whether it's human action, like, like from righteous people that we can count on, or whether it was God that we lean on directly, and which, which should we count on, and what, what should we do in that situation? If it was clear, we'd know whether, and whether Naomi meant it or not, Naomi might not have recognized that it was God, or maybe she did, but even if it was Boaz, she was referring to, maybe the author of the book of Ruth has made it ambiguous specifically for a reason. Do you ever think maybe it's on purpose, though? That maybe the author realizes something, maybe even Naomi is starting to realize that really it isn't whether it's God or whether it's people that we count on, but that there is something going on here so that when you say he, it doesn't really matter whether you're referring to God or to Boaz, because Boaz is acting on behalf of God. God is using Boaz in this situation. Boaz is acting as God's agent to fulfill the purposes of God and to bring redemption to this family, to these two women. We talked about Deuteronomy before and the laws of God, how he governed his people and how he made these laws so they would know how to treat each other, so they'd know how to act towards each other. And in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 17, it says, The Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and takes no bribes. He gives justice to orphans and widows. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. You too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. So God's made clear that, that for his people, they are responsible for the world around them. They're not only responsible to, to show kindness and care to their fellow believers, but that God intends for the people of God from the very beginning to bless other people outside of the family of faith. People who don't believe in him. Foreigners and, and people who believe in other gods. And so he orders the people of Israel from the beginning. He sets them apart as a people. And he says, I'm going to teach you how, how to live and how to know me and, and, and what it means to be my people. But from the very beginning, when he set them up through Abraham, remember the blessing was, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing to all nations. Like it's always been meant to spread. It's never meant for you to hang on to it and to be the special people that I love. 
everybody else needs to hear about it, and we should care about others and not just ourselves in the family of faith. I always hate it when I hear the kind of the insider attitude, or, or I've heard from Christians sometimes, oh, we should look after our own nation. We should look after Canada first, and, and then maybe if we've got some leftover, we could send some overseas. But, but that's not how God looks at it. From the very beginning, he wants us to be a blessing to those around us, particularly those who are not faithful and don't know him and don't honor him and follow other religions. He says, we are meant to be a blessing. And so I'm teaching you how to te treat each other. And it's starting in here. But once you really understand, I really want you actively loving people outside, especially those who can't look after themselves. So inside the family of faith, widows, orphans, people who can't provide for themselves, they're your responsibility, church. Anybody who's dispossessed or doesn't have enough, you're responsible to look after them. But also he wants to make a point. You guys have not always been the insiders, he says to the people of Israel. You guys were the foreigners in Egypt and I made sure you got enough. And we, we Gentiles who are not of Jewish origin, we were the outsiders, but now we're the insiders. And we are bound to love everyone the way that God loves them. And that's what he says. You too. God loves them. God provides for them. You too must show love to foreigners. For you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. So Naomi says, he is showing his kindness. And it's not one or the other. It's, it's God working through Boaz. It's righteous Boaz acting on behalf of God and reflecting the character of the God that he loves and serves by the way that he lives out his life and the way that he treats people. And then Naomi goes one step further and she says, he's a family redeemer. She says, Boaz is one of our family redeemers. And if you remember back to chapter one, that leveret rate law that I explained, that, that if a brother dies and, uh, and his brother living marries the widow so that the family is provided for and so that the land stays in the family and, uh, and so that the, the widow is taken care of. And so there's this law that, said, that, that God set up for his people to say, we don't want anybody getting left out or left behind, and so you need to do this. And you should act on behalf of, of your family to do this. And so Naomi here is remembering that law, and all of a sudden, instead of it being a negative thing, like she says to Ruth and Orpah on the road, like, even if I was to get married tonight and have children, and would you wait for them to grow up? Like, like that's, that's, that law is hopeless. There's no hope in the law of God there for you. And now all of a sudden, it's that exact same law of God that she thought was pointless. She didn't see why it was the way it was. And now all of a sudden, she's going, wait a minute. Boaz is part of our family. And he's not a brother, but he's a cousin and kind of in there. And, and, and maybe there's some hope here of him redeeming our family. Wouldn't it be nice if, wouldn't this solve a lot of problems for us? So it looks like in the scripture that God looks after or orphans and widows and foreigners. And if Boaz likes Ruth, maybe, maybe things will be all right. 
And so Boaz had told Ruth she could keep gleaning with his workers during the whole barley harvest. So Ruth, we're told, works all barley harvest and then all wheat harvest. That's about seven weeks total. And I'm going to do a little farm math for you. Ready for it? So if Ruth goes out and she gleans what she gleaned on day one, if she gets about an ephah, like uh, uh, 18 liters of barley every day that she got, and if she gets the same when she goes during the wheat harvest and gets that same kind of load, if she's able to bring home that kind of load each day, which seems pretty likely considering how Boaz is handling things, then Naomi and Ruth are going to be set for over a year. Like seven weeks of work, and then they are set. They've got enough to eat for a year. That's how generously God provides for them. And all because Ruth got off the dime. When she got back to Israel, she had vowed and determined she would stay with Naomi. And and remember that moment on the road when she says, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. She has this conversion experience with the God of heaven. And whether she understands everything about him or not, she decides she'll follow him. And she acts according to his hesed, his character, his steadfastness, his loyalty. And his kindness towards Naomi. And she travels home. And even though Naomi isn't very kind. And doesn't even acknowledge her when they come into town. Naomi uh, goes home and sits at home. And Ruth goes out to the field to glean. She says, I'm going to go to any field that will let me do it. And I'm going to try and come back with some food for us for today. She probably thought at that point. If she brought home uh, enough to have the bag lunch for one day. That'd be a pretty good haul. And she comes home with 18 liters. And Naomi is blown away. See, she, see Ruth acts on what, what she knows it needs to happen. She needs food, and so she's a doer. She's, a, she's somebody who rolls up her sleeves and gets the job done. She sees that Naomi needs somebody, and she sticks with her. She sees that that. Somebody needs to travel and keep her safe. So she sticks by her and commits herself to the God of heaven. And when she gets back to Israel and, and she doesn't know anybody and she doesn't have any hope of running into an old friend who might show kindness to her, Naomi is still licking her wounds at home and, and Ruth says, oh, I'm going to go try and find us some food. She goes and she does something about the problem and the situation at hand. And she acts again with kindness with commitment, hardworking young lady, and she gets out there in the field and she comes home with a haul of food that's going to cover them for a week. That's what 18 liters will do. And of course, she runs into Boaz, and Boaz is a doer too. He's the same kind of character. He's out in his field with his work, hired workmen. They're supposed to be doing the work, but he shows up every day on the work site and blesses his workers and, and takes an interest in the people around and says, well, that one, young woman over there, I don't, I don't know her. I know the other gleaners, but I don't know her. Who is she? Well, that's Ruth. She came from Moab with Naomi. Oh, I know this story. I've, some people have t- been talking about this. 
And he calls her over to lunch and he says, well, well, somebody's got to help him out with lunch, so I'm going to provide him with lunch and here you go. And, and listen, you're going to be thirsty working in the field. Come and get water anytime you want from my hired guys. And, and they, could actually, they could actually harass her and uh, try and scare her off so that they keep the, the, the wheat for, or the barley for me uh, as my hired workman. But he warns them, leave her alone. Don't give her a hard time. He's a doer. He's an active guy. He's a guy that wants to do the right thing and wants to act on behalf of God and wants to reflect God's character. So he gets out there and does. So Boaz, the committed, long-time believer who understands the God of heaven and understands his laws and understands that it's not a matter of just barely doing the law, but I really want to reflect the generosity of the God I serve. So I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to go in the direction God wants me to go, but I'm not even going to slow down when I hit the line and, and I've completed what, what's required of me. I'm going to just go the extra mile because that's the kind of God I serve. He's the doer in that way. And Ruth, she's the new believer. She's the one who's just made a faith commitment. And she doesn't understand what it's all about yet. But she seems to understand a couple of things about God that are pretty significant. The generosity, the faithfulness. The fact that he's active and he looks to help and provide that he doesn't just sit on the sidelines and watch the world go, but he gets actively involved in it in redemptive ways. That's the kind of God that she serves, and she's starting to get it, and she's starting to follow it. They're both doers. Kind of like the, uh, the old poem. I don't know if you've heard it, but two frogs fell into a can of cream. Or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep and the cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, croak number one. Tis fate, no helps around. Goodbye, my friends. Goodbye, sad world. And weeping still, he drowned. But number two of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. The while he wiped his creamy face and dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while at least, he said. Or, or so I've heard, he said. It really wouldn't help the world if one more frog was dead. An hour or two he kicked and swam. Not once he stopped to mutter. But kicked and kicked and swam and kicked. Then hopped out via butter. I mean, there's a truth in that story, right? About, about hard work, about committing yourself, about doing what you can. And we've got all kinds of sayings that we follow that, that kind of illustrate the same point. A stitch in time saves nine, right? He who hesitates is lost. Or carpe diem, seize the day, or go for it, or, or you always miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Don't just stand there. Do something. I got that in the first service. I was thinking bust a move. I guess some of us went through the 80s and some of us didn't. Or let's go really old school. Trust and obey, right? The follow through. That's what Ruth is beginning her journey of faith with. The follow through to act on what she knows and learns of this God. And that's what Boaz has been showing for a long time. And he's deep into it. Give all that you've got for God. And so Boaz and Ruth, 
they both show that kind of character. One deep into his journey of faith and one just starting off. But they're both doers. They're both follow through. They're both live it out rather than just say that you believe it. And I don't know if, if you're starting to pick up on it yet, but you almost get the impression that this author, he's starting to think, you know what? There's something about these two. Wouldn't they make a nice couple? Wouldn't this be a great surprise? What if she, he, Boaz was to take on this role of the kinsman redeemer? What if he and Ruth, uh, don't they make a good match? They both are so committed to the, the purposes and the character of God. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't that solve a lot of problems for Ruth and Naomi? And it's almost with a little bit of wistfulness that at the end of this chapter, he says that, uh, you know, Ruth works all barley harvest and then through the wheat harvest, seven weeks, she she works through both of the harvests and, and finishes. But then that last line in the chapter, he says, and all the while she lived in her mother in law's house. Like, come on, Boaz. Are you just one of those guys that doesn't pick up the signals? Come on, don't you see what could happen here? Don't you see what a happy ending this story could have? If you, if you just notice what's right in front of you, you've noticed this woman and you care for her, and, and, and wouldn't it be a great end to the story? Is he ever going to pick up on the signals? For that, you have to come back next week. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that uh, as we've been making this journey through the story of Ruth, that we, we see you at work in the redemption of your people and the redemption of those who were formerly not your people, those who are willing to encounter you. And so we just ask you that, uh, that we would be inspired by Boaz and by Ruth, that whether we've been on the journey a long time, but maybe have gotten a little lax in living out your kingdom and your purposes your generosity and your kindness and your grace, or whether we are new believers and we are just getting started, Father, inspire us to see the activity of your spirit in the world and to know that you are trying to do something to redeem because that's what you do. Help us to be the kind of people who are involved in your plan of redemption for the entire human race. And where there are opportunities for us to show kindness and grace and loyalty and steadfastness and all the things that you uh, show us by the way that you treat us. Help us to reflect that into our world so that a watching world can see you at work in us and realize that you are real and that you are not a God who is just distant waiting in heaven for someday, but that you are actively working in your world through us. We realize that you take a big risk in allowing us to carry your reputation and be called by your name. And so we ask you to shape us and inspire us and to correct us until we are more like you. So that we live out your redemptive purposes and follow your redemptive plan for the people around us. So that we can have the greatest impact possible on Whitewater region and the surrounding regions so that people who don't know you come to see you active and alive and moving and working through your people, the church. We pray in Jesus' name.